Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. I'm David Massover. I'll be your host today. And today we have Allison Metcalf, CRO at Demandbase as a guest. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Ah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Now, you know, in the sake of fairness, you and I had a call previously and we talked about a lot of really great stuff, specifically what kind of stuff is going on at Demandbase and your role as, as a very new CRO. So I'd like to, I'd like to dig into that a little bit. When we spoke, you described this moment in time for demand base as pivotal, which I think is just such an epic word. And that as an organization, there's a very deliberate effort to drive towards the next level of growth and evolution. And part of that was creating the CRO role that you recently filled. So can you help us understand where does this new role fit in for the company and and fit in with the big plans for growth? So just to reflect on the the pivotal comments. So Demandbase made a very strategic acquisition about six or eight months ago of a company called Engageo, which is founded by John Miller, who was one of the co-founders of Marketo. So one of like the best, biggest voices in B2B marketing of all time is absolutely John Miller. So Demandbase made that strategic acquisition to really complete the product puzzle, if you will, that enables this kind of full soup to nuts B2B account-based marketing tech stack for B2B marketers. Very exciting acquisition. The company has been full steam ahead, working towards integrating the two platforms into a new platform. We are having our coming out party on November 11th, I believe, um, where we we would be launching this, this new product. And so with the new product, you know, uh, well, sorry. So just to step back. So that happened. The other thing that happened is we recently, Gabe Rogel, who was the CRO, became the C became the CEO. Of, I think this was also about six or eight months ago. And so a lot of change at the company to crystallize this new vision. And so um, I think what happened really was that as Gabe was stepping into that role, we were also really rethinking about how we wanted to go to market what the role of sales was, what the role of customer success was. And, you know, they had thought about a couple of different models of how they wanted to structure that leadership. And I think ultimately, when Gabe called me, I feel like I am a fairly unique person to join Demandbase because, A, uh, I have worked at Demandbase before. I actually launched, built customer success at the company seven years ago, eight years ago or so. And then I went to LiveRamp where I did a very, various things for seven years. Um, but also, I have experience in both the ad tech space and the martech space, which is kind of a, a rare combination. And then the, the final thing is, I also grew up in customer success, right? That was always that, that's kind of my bias is on the more the customer success side with a very strong line in the revenue. So I think what all of those things combined, right? Like it was like I I really was this. It, it almost felt kind of mythical or or like you know like stars were aligned in this kind of perfect opportunity where the company really needed a new go-to-market approach. It really needed a very customer success heavy approach with a strong line of revenue. And I felt I feel I feel that role very uniquely. So it's it's rare to see 
someone in a CRO role come from the customer success background. You've articulated pretty clearly why it made sense. But how do you think that perspective changes your approach to the role from what other CROs that came from a sales organization might take? So I think it's actually a really important distinction because my bias and the way, what I think about first and foremost is how to make customers successful and happy versus how to better sell to them. And I think that if you are optimizing always for how to better sell, you will lose, right? Because the clients don't want to be sold to. They want you to solve their problems. I should add that in all of my customer success roles of the past, I have always had, I've always carried both the retention number and the upsell number. So I've always, always had a sales focus. It's just that my strong belief is that growth and expansion should become, should be very organic. If you're making your customers successful, if they are getting personal wins, if they are, if, you know, they are being recognized for the good work because of their investment in your technology, they will naturally want to do more with you. So I have seen CROs in the past, you know, organize entire organizations and restructure all to optimize for selling. And that has ultimately always failed or not been as successful as it could have been because the focus on the customer was lost. I'm seeing more and more organizations talking about moving in that direction away from a more siloed approach towards a higher level of departmental integration and and a more holistic focus on the customer. So, you know, you have sales, marketing, customer success, in some cases, service, product, maybe even finance, all under one umbrella, anyone that touches the customer. But that's a big change for an organization to go through. What are some of the friction points that you think a company might expect as they start to move down the path towards this more unified, customer-centric approach? Well, I think certainly one of the friction points could be, is this person more biased towards sales or customer, or customer success? Like, is this, is this person biased more to the, to the sales side or the post-sales side? And everyone needs love and attention, right? Everyone needs to feel that they are important. So one of the things that I'm trying to do to address that is really dispel the notion that customer success is the, is the responsibility of one function. I almost wish we could rename the whole thing. Like, and I'm, I'm old enough to say, like, I went through the period of when, you know, when I started my career out here, it was account management. And then I think it was Salesforce that rebranded it to customer success. They also rebranded HR to, you know, employee success and things like that. But I really want to dispel the notion that retention and CSAT and business outcomes and value is the responsibility of one single department because it just it just isn't like customers are successful with your product and solution because of every single touch point they experience with your company from how they are marketed to to how they are supported from a tech support background you know point of view to how they are sold to to how their executives engage with them every single touch point matters and it's it's just not the, the function of one group so I really want to like break down that silo of sale and post-sale and just make it one field organization that we all play a, a role to in every single, you know, organ every single group in that field organization is equally important. We just all have different roles to play. So a transition like that involves a lot of different things. It's a righteous mission. It makes a lot of sense. I think philosophically everybody can get behind it, but there's always the, the the resistance of, hey, that's not how we used to do it. And that can be difficult to overcome on a person-by-person basis. How, how do you navigate that challenge? You know, it's an interesting question that I will tell you, luckily, 
demand base has welcomed me with with very open arms, like across the board. I'm really not experiencing any friction whatsoever. It's, it's actually been the most lovely onboarding experience of my career. But sure, there might be there might be some friction. I probably just don't know about it. That's probably totally fair. I will say, I'm a big believer in the leadership concept called the multipliers. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a book and a concept written by this woman, Liz Wiseman. She was an Oracle HR executive for many years. And it's really this concept that in leadership, there's multipliers and there's diminishers. And multiplier, that the main concept of the multiplier is that, that you believe that the wisdom and the answers are within the team. And your job is really to like give them space and resources to come up with the answers versus the diminisher who is not a bad person, just misunderstands the role of leadership and thinks that their job is to have all the answers, right? I'm here, don't worry, I'm on my white horse and I'm going to come save the day and I have all the answers. So I really strive to be a, a multiplier. Part of that is giving people a lot of space to weigh in. Like I really try not to dictate answers as much as possible and let the team, you know, give, give the team the opportunity to come up with the answer and facilitate the conversation more. So what that does is by making sure that I get a lot of people, giving people the opportunity to weigh in, they feel more agency and they feel more solidarity behind the decisions that are made because they participated in making that decision. So that is a big strategy that I, that I deploy. That being said, you can absolutely overkill that, right? And I've certainly seen instances of like, we need to get everyone's opinion. We need to have everyone weigh in. Like, there are times we have to make a, an executive decision. And what I try to do, I really learned this concept with my executive coach about advocacy versus inquiry, advocacy and inquiry, which is when I do make an executive decision, I always try to show my work. Right. I, I try to explain like my thought process and how I got to this point of view. So it's not just some dictated thing and people speculate why I think what I think, or she has bad information or she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like I really try to show that path. And then, you know, if it is controversial, it's really important to just say, you know, the decision has been made. This is what we're doing. I love the Jeff Bezos thing about disagree and commit, right? Like you have your opportunity. I've explained how I got to my point of view, but there are times when I will have to make an executive decision and we have to just move on. But hopefully as much as possible, I try to get a lot of weigh in. When I research a podcast guest, I, I usually look at LinkedIn posts to see you know, what you like to write about. And, and yours was completely unhelpful because you have <laughs> nothing but job openings, which is awesome. I mean, I love it that you're, you're in the middle of growth mode, but, but it begs the question, when you are moving towards a, a more customer-centric organization and, and one where you break down the silos, do you have to hire differently when you're building an organization like that? And if so, what, what do you look for that might not be as important in, in a more traditional structure? So I, it's, it's, un, it's kind of an unexpected situation that I'm in in terms of what I think we need to hire more demand base in that I think I'm going to be looking for the types of people that I always hire as my first people when I, when I built customer success at demand base and when I built customer success at LiveRamp, which is a hybrid kind of unicorny person who has like a sales DNA and an account management DNA. I reflect on my very first job out here was a company called Equilar in the executive compensation space of all things. And, you know, I, I don't know that I agree with this, strategy, but it was interesting was the, the CEO was really a big fan of these personality tests. And 
what they did was they had their top salesperson who's, who was my boss and a very good friend of mine. Her name was Catherine Jung. And then I was kind of considered the, the top kind of account management person. They had us taking personality tests. And then when we were interviewing people, we would have them take personality tests and kind of compare their scores to ours to see how well they matched up to our, our results. One of the big things about a really good salesperson was they like buy, they biased really high for impatience. And one of the things about a really good account manager was, was patience, right? Because which makes sense. Like salespeople kind of want to close the deal, move on and quickly go. And account managers, you need to be able to really take the time. And so I'm kind of looking for the sweet spot of people that can do both, right? The people who have that sales DNA, but are willing and interested in spend time with customers to understand, you know, to help them solve their problems and talk through issues with them. And that's challenging, right? So you need people who want a number and are motivated by that and are competitive, but but not necessarily the purebred 100% hunter mentality either. I think that to be customer, super customer-centric, you do need people who have time for customers, right? Um, and then the other thing is like... I, you know, across all of these functions, whether it be support or customer success or sales, you really do need people that want to do the job. Like I'm really interested in ambitious people, 100%. But I like people and I'm looking for folks that are interested in not only vertical growth, but also horizontal growth. And what I mean by that is like, you know, people that want to expand their skills wide are not only looking to climb the ladder because I ultimately truly believe that you climb the ladder faster when you are wider in your skill set. That's a mentality that's hard to find. And that's, that's something I, I try to interview for. It's, it's, it's tricky. I guess knowing the target is a good first step, even though you may not be able to nail it down. You know you're not looking for something prototypical this or prototypical mm-hmm. that, but something in between. But that's, that's kind of the individual level. Is there something about the philosophy or the mindset of sales itself, as we've all come to know and love it over the years, that really has to change at the organizational level when you're going through a transition like this? I will tell you, the team at Demand Base is phenomenal. I've been super impressed by the caliber of the, of the folks here. But I do think that really solving for business outcomes is really, really important. And it's really interesting I went through this evolution when I was running, um, I was running the TV business unit at LiveRamp. And one of the core principles of what we were trying to do there was change the way that TV is measured from Nielsen ratings to business outcomes, right? And that was a hugely disruptive concept. And I think that we need to really embrace across the board at the sales level, true business outcomes. I think that we get really easily caught up in features and functionality and buttons and look at this cool thing that it does. And we lose the business outcome. And the other thing I really believe in, and I took this away from my various trainings with Miller Hyman, is the concept of the personal win. Like just understanding like what the person that you're selling to needs to show. Both of those things are are incredibly important. You're pretty new to the role. You were at demand-based and customer success, as we discussed uh, uh, some time ago, but you're new to the CRO role since I think last month. It's October now, September 2020, you started. What, what do you hope to be celebrating after your first year on the job? It's really two things. It's pretty, pretty simple, right? Like I want to see material increase in retention and I want to see material increase in our growth. I think that that demand base is poised to really take off in a meaningful way with this new product that we're launching next month. 
that's my mandate, right? That's been made very clear to me. Improve retention and get the company growing at a, at a faster rate. Your focus is fantastic. Demand-based, it feels to me like they're lucky to have you. I'm wondering, what are some of the resources that have helped you along the way to become someone who's capable of leading an organization through this kind of growth? Well, that's a nice question. So, you know, a couple things. So LiveRamp was really an amazing seven years for me. You know, when I joined LiveRamp, it was like 30 million ARR. It's going to be approaching 500 this year. And I worked for the same person, James Ara, the entire time. He's the chief commercial officer. And I think the main, like working under him, I grew so much because he never told me what to do ever. <laughs> like I, I really had to figure things out for myself. He gave me outcomes and made, and it was like, yeah, go, go get it done. He also helped me think beyond customer success, right? He gave me opportunities and he stretched me to the point of extreme discomfort, if I'm frank with you. And I'll tell you, like when I was, when, when Livery was considering this shift away from functional leadership, that's what happened. They were, they were, they moved away from functional leadership into this GM structure. I was terrified because I had never done anything other than customer success. And I did not consider myself to be someone that they would consider for anything other than customer success. I didn't go to a fancy school. I didn't, you know, whatever. I hadn't done anything else. And when they gave me the GM role and I had to learn how to do all the pre-sale stuff and marketing stuff, and I was very heavily involved in PR and I was very heavily involved in product. I grew so, so much again, horizontally. And then in my final role at LiveRamp, I was running field strategy and productivity that's where I got really skilled in data and like the data elements that we need to run a field organization. And so again, I reflect back on this, like, I do not think I would have passed all the board interviews I had to go through to get this job at Demandbase had I not had that last role, because I was able to talk very high level about the data elements we need to be able to measure the health of the field. So it really was that it's opportunity. And then I guess, you know, frankly, the final thing was, LiveRamp invested heavily in executive coaching. I had an amazing executive coach. Her name is Leslie Higgins. And she helped. I worked with her very, very closely for years. And she, she really did change a lot of the way that I approach things, the way that I manage, the way that I even conduct myself. She really helped me grow. So that's how you see this you know, perfect specimen that you see before you here. Uh, that's exactly how I, how I would have described it. Perfect specimen. But, you know, it, it's inspiring. You've grown a lot in your career. You're with Demand Base at this pivotal time, getting ready for growth. And uh, we really appreciate you, you sharing some of that with us on the podcast today. If people would like to reach out to you, connect with you, find you, what, what's the best place to do that? I'm on LinkedIn like everyone else. I share a lot of funny cat videos on Twitter at Allison Rickham. Cat videos. I mean, who doesn't need more cat videos? Allison, thank you so much for spending your time with us today and, and best of luck with the ambitious growth plans. Thanks, David. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.